This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. No, not at all, because naturality it is another game. I have to go out there and be at my best for my team. I have to go out there and, and be dialed in for 60 minutes, not allowing any big plays, not allowing catches. Um, doing whatever I need to do to make sure, you know, I slow my, my guy don't show up on the stat sheet, you know, so that's my main focus. That's my main goal going into this week. And I'm working for, uh, towards that all, all week this week. There he is. Patrick Peterson. Mm-hmm. About to make his Ooh. return to Arizona with that amazing hat. I'm all in on that. Hat. I like those hats too, man. Old school trucker. The situation. hat I don't like is, uh, is Zim's hat. Because it's got that, it's black, which is fine, but it's got that weird thing in the front, like arrows. Yeah. See, I think he'd look good What's in that, in the, in the on the retro, the retro hat that Patrick Peterson. Yeah, I love the retro there, hat. Like the yeah. little, I think, I think Zim would look good in that. Yeah. Look like a, he looked like a grandpa like, from like the eighties. But like, what's up with putting arrows on hats now? I don't like that. I don't know. Don't make any sense. What's up with putting arrows hey, on what's hats? What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> I've been Judd Seinfeld here. Do I need to be pointed? I've been seeing, and I'm glad it's Feedback Friday, because I've been seeing a lot of people who keep putting me as Jerry Seinfeld when I get riled up. There's like, I see, I, oh, hear, really? a lot of, I hear a lot of Jerry, on our YouTube comments, they're saying, I, I they hear a lot of Jerry Seinfeld when I get really going no, and really yeah, get upset yeah, the and voice, off. You get a little high-pitched yeah. when you get mad. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Okay. Well, it is Feedback Friday here on Mackie and Judd. We'll get to Judd's keys to a Vikings win on the show, but we like to spend time every Friday just kind of combing through Twitter replies. We got two YouTube channels, Score North YouTube and Purple Daily YouTube, and just responding to your questions, your comments, uh, sometimes your vitriol. And I think we're going to start with with vitriol, actually. If you guys are if you guys are game for this, do it. Got your protective shields on. So um, this first bin falls under the category of leadership and accountability and maybe even blame when it comes to the beginning of that Bengals game. So there's a lot. I'm just, instead of reading a million of these, I'm just going to categorize a large chunk of feedback from early in the week centered around people being upset about our Kirk Cousins takes. And we all had some slightly different angles and whatnot, but uh, there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, he threw for 350 yards and no interceptions. What more do you guys want? Like, why are you even talking about Kirk Cousins after the first game of the season with all the other things that, and by the way, we have talked about all of the other things as well. We talk every day, all right? We're just, we talk about <laughs> yeah. a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. um, but even more specifically, I insinuated on Twitter after the game and on Purple Daily that... Kirk should take some blame or at least be held somewhat accountable for three false start penalties on the Vikings offense in the first five plays of the season. That these are scripted plays. These are the first five plays of the season. Like you're not going to be any more prepared or have more time to prepare for a five-play stretch than the first five plays of the season. And your offense was a chaotic disaster. And... Uh, I'll just read a couple here. Matthiason 310 on Twitter. Crazy how 10 players knew what was up and one didn't on each of those plays. Let's hold people accountable other than Kirk. John S. This might be the worst take I've ever seen. <laughs> and there's a lot of other similar comments. And I'm not sitting here 
straight up blaming Kirk for other people jumping. What I'm saying is when your offense is that chaotic and disorganized in the first five or six plays of the season, you can't just say, well, it's not Kirk's fault. Like how many times has a Tom Brady or Russell Wilson offense looked like that in the first five plays of a season where they're just like, they have no idea. Like one guy doesn't know the snap count on one play. Another guy's, you know, jumping over here. Sure. Like, that's not just random. It's not just guys that are just jumping and making mistakes. Like that's a complete train wreck out of the gate that the quarterback has to at least be somewhat responsible and accountable for is all I'm saying. Not blaming it all on him, but yeah, what are your co- guys' thoughts? It's coaching too. Um, they, they just looked that first half on every level was unacceptable because they weren't prepared. I mean, I mean it's that simple. They weren't mm-hmm. prepared to play the first half of a football game on the road, which happens to be a regular season opener. And as I said, and I'll say it again, everybody gets blamed. Like there's what, why are we looking? Why do you look to absolve anybody? I, I guess, unless you're, oh, when I was in third grade, I loved Tommy Kramer. Okay. So I guess back then I looked to absolve him, but I was in third grade. I wish um, I had old tweets exposed on Judd and Tommy Kramer. If you're at a, I wish I had, oh, I wish I had Twitter in third grade. I wish I did, but I didn't. But anyway, um, if you're, if you're an adult football fan, I get the fact you're a Vikings fan and that's awesome. And you root for them. Uh, But after half like that, why are you looking to absolve anybody? Like it doesn't like, like, do I completely agree with you, Phil? Not completely because yes, there's a lot of blame to go around, but I'm also not trying to run to anybody's defense. Like why? Why would I be like, well, Kirk can't can't be blamed for that. Kirk can't, you know. So I just, I guess what I don't get is the need to defend players at all. You played a terrible half. That's the entire team. You all went to training camp. Like, you practiced. So I would rather blame them than than try and parcel out, well, mm-hmm. here's here's the thing. Um, Patrick Peterson's not to blame at all. Uh, he played great. No, you know, I mean, no, they played a yeah. terrible half of football. It's that simple. Yeah. And I think, you know, it was glaringly obvious that the head, and we've known this for years, but that the head coach probably wasn't that involved with the offense and trying to just make sure. Like, it, it felt to me like if you could go back in retrospect, somebody needed to come in, whether it's the coach or the 34-year-old offensive coordinator or the or the quarterback, and say, guys, let's just, hey, we're on the road. There's a crowd for the first time in a while. Let's pay extra close attention to details snap counts, cadences, is there any questions or confusion about anything here, okay? Like, let's let's over-communicate to start this game so we can make sure that we get out of the gate hot. And it's like that step was missed or something. Some of the holding calls, like, I think the officials were clearly putting an overemphasis on holding across the league. There were so many more holding penalties in the NFL, I think, compared to last year in Week 1. But I also think some of that's just if you're if you're an underqualified left tackle, Rashad Hill, and you're getting bull rushed or you know, someone puts you in the spin cycle, that's less of a probably less of a not being prepared thing and more of just not being good enough thing, but the false starts are a different category. Yeah, and they just did but but I mean as a whole for the first half of that game, they did not look prepared. I don't know why. Um they they definitely practiced crowd noise, so that didn't catch them by surprise. It was Cincinnati. I'm sorry. That's not the Metrodome. It's not the Superdome. So, yeah, I, I just, I don't, I, I guess, I guess I'll never understand this need to defend anybody after like a bad half or a bad game. It's like we're trying to be, be like, well, I got a number eight jersey in my closet. So back off of him. But everybody else sucked. And I think, too, when you're looking at like just the traditional of what statistics, what, like what Kirk did, 350 yards, that's great. But, it was also essentially five quarters of football against a really bad Bengals team, and you still came up short. So, like, the 350 yards wasn't in 350 yards in regulation time. You had extra 10 minutes. It was against a bad Bengals team that was one of the worst defenses in the league last year. Like, I don't think we should be holding our hat high on the 350 yards against a really bad Bengals team in overtime as well. But, Dex, what people do is, like, and you know this, people say, well, 350 and two touchdowns, well, oh, he was amazing. Clearly, he did his job. Everything else must be garbage around him. That's what people have done his whole career. Yeah. Why doesn't the 350 match up more often with a 10-point or 14-point win? You know, you throw for 350 and two touchdowns, 
and you're down by double digits for most of the game, like in the second half, it, it, it never adds up. The stats you see never add up to a game flow and a result. Not never, but like not as often as other quarterbacks in the NFL that are, you know, in that top five to 15 range. And that's true of a lot of sports. And that's why if you just look at the box scores, it's a disservice to the game itself. Uh, and Kirk's had some good good games. And look, I, we we did a whole thing yesterday on the things around Kirk that aren't right too. So so absolutely is Kirk is Kirk succeeding to his maximum? Well, box score wise, probably. In reality, no. But the Vikings also, as we talked about on the Thursday show, haven't given Kirk necessarily the things that that a guy like Kirk desperately needs. Which, by the way, might not be the same thing, or is not flat out the same thing that Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson need. Uh, Malachi 612 comments on YouTube. You make it sound like the Bengals looked bad. They played pretty well. Their defense was well improved, and Joe Burrows played decently. The Vikings had a terrible first half. Go back and watch it. And by the way, as Dex and I both talked about extensively on Monday, the Vikings beat themselves in that game. So the Bengals, I'm not saying that, the Bengals are bad. I'm saying the expectations, as Doogie talked about, and he's right, the expectations internally for this team are incredibly high. So I don't want to hear the fan base say, well, that's not fair, Judge. You're putting pressure on them. That's coming from the Wilfs. Uh, the Vikings beat themselves in that game. Uh, so also, I don't care what I don't care how the Bengals look. That's also, it's the, it's the Bengals, dude. Like, it's the <laughs> Bengals. Stop lowering the bar for what you – you're going into that game. Everyone said the same thing. It's the Bengals. Yeah, I, Joe Burrow is really good, but it's one of the worst rosters in the NFL. It's one of the worst organizations in the NFL. It's the Bengals. Does it mean it's? Does it mean it's like a college football? You know, you're playing an FCS team. No, these are still NFL players. You know, the spread is three. Like it's not going to be. You're not just going to walk in and 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 destroy them. But you know, if if you watch that game and your thought is. Well, I'm, now I'm gonna I'm gonna try and justify and lower the bar. Well, the Bengals maybe weren't so bad. I just don't think you're doing the team a favor. Like if you're gonna now lower the bar of expectations, I think I think you should keep the bar where it is and demand that the Vikings elevate to the bar that was there before the Bengals game. And if the that's Vikings, how I see it. And if the Vikings were building and 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 Kellen Mond had started at QB and stuff, I would say okay, yeah, I saw some things. Right. But they aren't building. They're expected to contend for, let's all get our heads around it, a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, that's that's the most important thing to come back to, is what Doogie said on the scoop on Thursday. The internal expectation is they can win a championship. So, like, why would fa- why would the fan base be like, oh, no, no, Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, and the Wilfs are wrong. They should be happy with eight wins. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I it's uh it's definitely one of the more buzzkill losses of the of the Mike Zimmer era. I, I there's been a few like there was the the Bills game before the Bills the were the Bills the Colts, the Colts game, Colts game. In 16 where they gave up yeah yeah and then the, and this one qualifies for sure. Uh, Go bias industries on YouTube comments about our beard games. Mackie beard game three stars. Judd beard game uh, beard game four stars. Uh-oh. Declan beard game baby emoji. How am I beating? <laughs> How did I get four stars and you got three? I feel like your beard is trimmed up. I, I was told again last night that I need to get rid of the beard, which I'm not going to do. By whom? The told, wife or told by, by who? Yeah. The wife the wife tuned into my the wife was on break at work and saw that I was doing an Instagram live on, on the uh, Kendrick's injury and so she watched it and came home and said, Yeah, I watched. I said, What what'd you think? I was breaking it down. And she's like, Yeah, the beard, it's so great. It needs to go. I'm like, I, I thought she wanted the beard like a year ago, and that's why you grew out the beard. She did. She's hot and cold now? What? Yes. Yes, she's hot and cold. Are you surprised? No, I'm not. I've been married for 30 years. I got a lot of hot and cold stories for you, dude. Um, There's a lot of hot and cold stories, and I'm sure it runs both ways. uh, my uh my, my dad could grow an excellent beard, my brother grows an excellent beard. For whatever reason, uh when when genetics made me, they decided to give me this great luscious head of hair, which I have, and it's great. And then just to put all the hair nowhere else but in regions that I'm not gonna mention. That's the only places I have hair and it's the weirdest <laughs> damn thing. I wish I could grow a beard, dude. I wish I could grow a beard. I really do. I can't. I look like I'm I look even younger when I do when I grow it out. 
It's probably you, you probably thought too in your early twenties, like maybe I don't know, maybe like by the time I'm thirty, I'll have and maybe. gained the ability to grow a beard. But I don't know, man. You're getting close to thirty. I I I don't think hasn't I can. shown up yet. So. And Dex does have gray hair. I've, it's true. I feel like when I feel like when Dex grows a beard or, or mustache, you go too much Joe Dirt. Yeah, yeah. It, there's it, a there's one of George it, Joe yeah. Dirt, but it's but like creepy. without without it, you look you know good. Our Why? our old friend Matthew Collar once told me he's like, I think the best thing you can do is not have any facial hair. Like you, yeah, you just need right. you need to shave it all. And I was like, you know what? That's probably right. One of the one of the that's best things he ever told me. Yeah, that's pretty fair. Uh, Bob Swede comments on YouTube. So I said a few weeks ago that Judd or Phil would call for the Vikings to tank by week seven. It's coming true. I can sense Judd is already nibbling around the edges. I love for a this tank. Bob. Yeah. I love Bob. Bob's exactly right. <laughs> Bob's exactly right. You know why? Because I was thinking last night again and actually got mad. Why didn't they tank at one and five last year? Why didn't they trade Harrison Smith? Who, by the way, they could have signed back in a couple of years if they really were, were like, well, now we're good, right? Like why they they didn't, they couldn't go to the players and say like, lose a bunch of games. But at the bye week, which was, which coincided with the deadline, right? They traded in Gakwe, which I loved. And then I'm like, they're going to trade like three or four guys and they are going to be really bad. This is going to be glorious. Why didn't they just tank last year? What would you, let's say they would have tanked. Let's say they would have, yeah, just wave the white flag, you know, with the roster. They trade Thielen or whatever, and and and, so, and then they would yep. have been for sure in a rebuild this year. Yep. Let's say they would have. So they're one in five. They go into a tank mode. You know, they still would have had Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook. Like, so they they would have won some games. But let's say they finished five and eleven. Yep. And I don't have the draft order in front of me, but let's say instead of drafting fourteenth, they were drafting seventh. Yep. And what would you have done? And then they can take Justin Fields. Then if they like him, which they did, they can take him. And guess what now? Or they would have traded back and taken Mac Jones oh. and, and accumulated extra picks. I don't think they liked or had the confidence to take Mac Jones. You're right, but I don't think that they – but I do think that they liked – I think the two quarterbacks they identified that were realistic options that they liked to them at the time were Trey Lance and Justin Fields. But think about this now. If they had traded – so let's just say that they traded – Ngakwe, Harrison Smith, like you said, Thielen, um, and won five games. Right now, you would have Justin Fields, and you wouldn't be and you wouldn't be great, but you would have the hope of a young quarterback, and you would have the ability to to transition from Kirk. Like the ability would be on the sideline. How does it sit with you guys that you know we're sitting here? And by the way, I am not. Bob, I am not calling for them to tank. I'm calling for them to yeah, to win it. against the Cardinals, win against the Seahawks, and we'll see what happens There's from Bob. there. That's my conscience. Bob is Bob's emailing you as we there. speak, actually. I think that was Bob. Bob's yeah. like, you go, Judd. You go. You son of a... Uh, so that said, but we're we're sitting here entertaining a discussion about, like, should they have tanked last year? And, you know, at what point should they start tanking this year? Which I'm not there at all yet. Right, but the fact that we're even like nibbling around that, I agree with you in in this conversation. And I think other platforms that talk Vikings on a regular basis and other shows are still in the oh that was a fluke loss to the Bengals. This team's still going to win eleven games starting this week with the Cardinals. Um, how does that sit with you? It, so why aren't why aren't we more positive going into this Cardinals game? I guess is what my question is. Well, I'm not totally I'm not totally. Uh, uh, gone as as far, far as I think they're going to stink. I do feel that that the way the training camp went from day one and then the exhibition games were sort of a precursor and now and now these things just snowball. I, I mean arbitrarily on the Wednesday of week two the injury report comes out or Thursday and Eric Kendricks now has a calf again, right? Bar is out and and there's just years 2010 and a year like this, it feels like the problems, some of them certainly are self-inflicted, but some of them, it just snowballs. And so it, the frustrating thing for me, though, was last year, there was no reason at 1-5 to try to get back. You were not a Super Bowl team. You weren't close. If they had made the playoffs and lost one game, what good does that do the future of this franchise? And, in fact, they did not. So what frustrated me, and we all talked about this at the bye week, like, th- this is not a, oh, they're going to come back and, 
we all talked about the fact that they had a great opportunity here to to be like, let's get some more draft capital, let's make some trades, and then let's allow the nature of losing to take its course and get that QB. And I don't know. This is the problem too. If this if this year goes as sideways as it appears it's going, I don't know that there's a quarterback in this draft uh, who equals a Lawrence. There's not a Wilson. There's there's not, but like a Fields or a Lance. So, so I don't. So if you're bad now, I don't e- even know if you have the ability to draft that quarterback unless it's sort of a forced pick. You, I guess, if you decided that you were done with Kirk after 2021, then then you would just hope that Kellen Mond could step in and right and see what happens. Well, um, how would you feel? How would you feel right now, Phil? If they had if they had tanked, which by the way you wouldn't oh, have, I would love it. Yeah, and I, Justin Fields was on the sideline, prepared to play. It would be so and, much fun. Yeah. Yes, yes, and it might not be perfect. Like, the team might not be great, but think about the optimism. Yeah, it would be a blast. I, I don't – like, let's say that had happened. I think they would have looked more aggressively to move Kirk so that they didn't have Fields sitting behind Kirk. Mm-hmm. And Kirk came off a really good 8- to 10-week stretch at the end of the season, too, to where, like, it would have been hard to justify – all right, uh, this is a full-on quarterback. Like Andy Dalton has been garbage, and so you know, easy to frame that as more of a competition. Even though the Bears, all along, said Andy Dalton was the guy, but it is interesting to go back in retrospect and just see if they had lost more games and they had been just even a couple picks higher to where the compensation made sense. Um, all right, next comment here. This is from Jackster Fire on YouTube. I'm a Bears fan, but I love you guys, and we can all rejoice. In the Packers losing. <laughs> Amen to that, Jacks your fire. Thanks for consuming us. Uh, David Wynn says, serious question that I hope you guys answer. Why does Mackie's background look so nice most times mm. on the YouTube videos and Declan and Judd's backgrounds look so dot, 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 basic? <laughs> Hold on a second. My background behind me, a picture of Met Stadium. I kind of like Judd's background. Yeah, especially when you. There. Is, wh- where do you sit when you do your like morning Judd videos? Because you got the cool, you got the North Star same, stuff. Same place, but I've got more. It's a it's a uh, it's a wider shot. better shot, and so okay. I've I've got the jerseys are like right back here, but that is a a Twins Red Sox game. I think it's a painting from a Twins Red Sox game in 1971 at the Met, and and the pennant behind me is a Vikings one, which is from the last game at the Met. So it's a farewell to the Met pennant. Got it. So I like my background. I, I worked hard on my background. I'm in a home studio here. I can't really move the camera nice. right now, but uh, I'm in the I'm in a home studio that looks like I'm in a Star Wars yeah, spaceship. It does. Declan's, Declan's, does Declan's in the old AM fifteen hundred yeah. slash Score North mm-hmm. control room, which was probably last renovated thirty years before ago. before I was That's born. Not a legitimately. Um, and, and also, also, yeah, no, there's there's elements and there's things in here that I have to do. And when I'm at home too, I wish I should probably like update my home setup. Um, like I, I just sit at my kitchen table for vent line. Like when we did the draft, even I moved everything. It was basically a, a occupational hazard when I set up the draft coverage because like I had my table in the kitchen. I had like seven cords of Ethernet all over the place. Um, Hair crushing white claws. Iron in the bathtub. Yeah, just it was it was a time air, for that air dryer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hairspray, hair yeah there's this 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 doesn't happen overnight this takes a this takes a good amount of time i spend more time in this out of the shower than i do in the shower it is it is hilarious though when you watch like any sports show especially during the pandemic now that most people are doing shows from like home studios everyone has to have like the bookshelf in the background now what's up with the bookshelf yeah. and the I'm not a book- head and stuff i got some books back here a lot of a lot of old poker strategy though? books didn't over um here our friend Tom Pelissero said NFL Network came and designed it for him. Yes. Yes. They yeah. sent someone over. He's like, I don't even know what this stuff is. But they just came <laughs> over and, and designed a background. That's awesome. football football stuff. Yeah. But I, but I don't get the bookshelf. Like, okay, you don't read those books, dude. <laughs> it's such a it's such a brag, right? It's like, look, right. at, look at these 53 books back here that I have read cover to cover. Or, I'm a well-read sports-talking head. Or the real brag is is a guy like Schefter, who I believe has books behind him that he wrote. Yeah, that's an even bigger that's, brag. That's you the, should put your like columns. Is, just start printing off your columns, Judd. It's like Zolgad, 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 <laughs> right behind. I you. just can't believe the dude didn't like my Met Stadium thing and my Vikings pennant. Well, he might not be able to see it. We have we have sort of a, a, a vertically very, you know, stacked there you tight go. shot here. There, there you go. go. You see it? Yeah. 
Are you not entertained <laughs> by Judd's background? And I got bobbleheads I throw in once in a while. <laughs> we got a wider shot. Uh, that visual was not helpful for the audio audience, but you can find the visual on the Score North YouTube channel and the Purple Daily YouTube channel. This one is from Michael Johnson on YouTube. And I really like this one. This is this is a this is a well thought out take on Kirk Cousins. So he says, "So okay, here's my final Cousins take. I don't know how many previous takes Michael had on Kirk Cousins to to call this one his final Kirk Cousins take, um, or uh, where this came from. But this is his thought right now. Kirk Cousins is Eli Manning light, and here's why: the Giants didn't have a very good offensive line for the majority of Eli's tenure, like the Vikings." The Giants didn't field an elite or even really good top three wide receiving core during most of his tenure. The Vikings actually do have an awesome wide receiver core. Eli wasn't mobile. He wasn't charismatic, nor did he have a young offensive genius for a coach. However, he had courage to sling it when the chips were down. The big difference is Eli wasn't scared to fit the ball into tight windows, and he just won games when he needed to. The Vikings and Giants both had good run games, stout defenses, and cantankerous coaches. However, Eli won Super Bowls because in the moment, he persevered. That's a really good, yeah, I like it. I like it because he did, so twice in his career, at least, he did. He persevered, and he and he popped up and played incredibly well. I, look, Joe Flacco, right? Joe Flacco popped up and played incredibly. I mean, that playoff run was phenomenal. And I guess the question is, somewhere deep inside him, does Kirk have that type of run? And and we haven't really, we haven't come close to seeing it when it mattered most. He has rebounded it and had what was it last year? Had the great October. Uh, so he has uh, had Kirk Kirktober. Kirktober. So he Put has some had the right way. trademark. So yeah. so he has had runs and months where he's been fantastic. But those two guys, in particular, probably not the greatest QBs of all time, had great runs when it mattered most. And, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Does Kirk have that in him if the circumstances are right? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I, I guess no, but it's just a guess. Now, I will, I will argue, though, on the coach front, I think sometimes we just think that if you have a cantankerous coach and they're, they're a defensive coach because they're cantankerous and defense is cantankerous, right? Well, Tom Coughlin was a longtime offensive coach, right? I mean, Tom Tom Coughlin was an offensive coordinator and an offensive mastermind in Jacksonville. So Eli at least had the benefit of an offensive-centric coach uh, in Tom Coughlin. I, I want to look up Tom Coughlin's. I'm looking at his Wikipedia right now because I forget. I believe he was a head coach for so long. Yep, quarterbacks coach, wide receivers coach, wide receivers yep. coach. Yep. So, you know, yeah, they were cantankerous, but like Mike Zimmer at the end of the day is going to go duck his head into a defensive film study, and Tom Coughlin well, at the end of the day is going to work with his quarterback. Yeah. Because he's an offensive coach. If if Mike really did sit down with Kirk for the first time ever in the last two or three weeks to watch film, that can't be talked about enough. And, I mean, we, we have dissected it, but it is a – it's amazing. That is absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's it is it's it's like indefensible. It's, yeah, it's indefensible. Well, like it it should it really should be one of the three to five core parts of your job as a head coach is okay. There's all these things you have to worry about, right? You got to worry about hiring, and you got to worry about scheme and in game clock management and all these things. And like, if you're ranking your top priorities to to focus on, and maybe play calling or whatever, in that top five should be build an amazing relationship with your quarterback and help that quarterback be the best possible player he can be. And Mike Zimmer can't, with an honest and straight face, say that he has done that in the four years of Kirk Cousins. If you have a, a um, an appointment calendar and you're a football coach and it comes down to spending an hour a week with certain people, right? Your coordinators, your quarterback's on that list. Your wife... I, your I don't kids, care. No, your coordinators, no, your no. quarterback. No, your that's wife, the list. In season, your wife and kids are not on that list. <laughs> they don't I'm exist. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> As I told Dawn years ago when, when she said, so-and-so is going to be practicing on Thanksgiving Day, I said, pro sports don't care about our holidays. Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, so Christmas, you know. Nor does no, Judd. No. 
you skip you skip Christmas, you ignore your kids, you tell your wife, hey, go do what you want. I'll see you in the spring. But you meet with your quarterback once a week <laughs> for at least an hour, if not more. Agreed. Yeah. I, I, quarterback is more important than family at that point. Yeah. I think football is more important than family in general in all walks of life, quite frankly. If you're a professional football coach, let's not. Let's call a spade a spade. Football. <laughs> If you, if, if anybody actually thinks that football coaches prioritize in-season family, you need to you need to get a reality check, yeah. as Pat Kessler used to say. Well, boy, wow, look at that! Wow, wow! I tailgate with Kessler now. Oh, do you? Really? He shows up really. He and Mim are there. It's like, yeah, it's great. He's a great guy. Is he retired now? Yes, and he is happy as can be. Good for Just him. Showing up to random college football tailgates. Uh, he's a big and... Gopher fan. Okay. He he and Mim are big fans and have had tickets for quite some time but he tailgates he's a he's a fantastic we guy. should get pat kessler on the show talk some politics yeah you know? as other go sports, outside, go other sports stations the sports done that? You know, <laughs> <laughs> so that's feedback friday <laughs> feedback friday here on Mackie and Judd. Hit us up. You can always hit us up on Twitter, Paul Instagram. Yeah. Let's get Paul Majors on. <laughs> Mike Pomerantz, you want to talk sports? Amazing. Uh, uh, oh, what, what do you... Do you, do you Go, go ahead. Dex. I was going to say, yes. uh, as as we're recording here too, as I as I derailed before keys, update update on uh, Daniel Hunter or uh, not, uh, on the injury report. I should say not Daniel Hunter. Eric Kendricks. Eric Kendricks yep. did practice on uh, Thursday morning, and because of also though the crazy storms that happened overnight in the Twin Cities on Thursday night, TCO lost power. So at practice today, they're running everything on generators. And Vikings, the Vikings had to bring in battery-powered scoreboards for practice because there's literally won't turn on because of all the storm damage in Egan. So things are great on this Friday. So, so 2010. Off in it's up, 2010. So, so wait. So, so he, he went through practice today he was, then on Friday, not Thursday. He was there to start practice. He was there to start okay. practice, that, and, the, and the official injury report will come out later when we're done so, recording. But he did. He was there to start. This is for. I'm sorry to clarify. This is for Friday. Yeah, for Friday. Right. For Friday. Okay, not for not he Thursday. did not practice Thursday. Right. So here's what NFL teams will do, and this is probably what Jeb was about to say. They will literally roll you out in a wheelchair once media leaves, so they can say he was limited in practice. So they can so they can plant seeds of yeah. doubt in the opposing team about who's going to play and who's not. Absolutely, and as Phil knows too, um, the Wednesday and Thursday practices are are the most aggressive ones. Yes. In which the Friday one, it, it's not a walkthrough, but it's also not at, as intense. So, yeah. like, if you're hurt, you can hobble out to the Friday practice and not be too scared. Wednesday and Thursday, if you miss both of those, it's a huge deal. If you miss one, it's a big deal. Yeah. That might be a good segue here because I don't know. Hey. If you guys hear him, I, I can sense the keys is around the corner here. Oh, God. That's right. Walk Every Friday, hobble. Judd's wow. keys to a Vikings victory in week two over the Cardinals, presented this week by Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been around. You want to talk about keys to protect your business, hey. all right? <laughs> Risk management tools and resources, the MyShield platform, 100-plus years of experience, some of the best and smartest people in the industry. Federated brings all the keys when it comes to risk management, protecting your business, your bottom line, and your employees. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Let's fire it up. Judd Zolgad's keys to a Vikings victory. Maestro, thank you very much. We will again. We have four keys to a Vikings victory over the Cardinals in Glendale, Arizona on Sunday. We will start at the bottom and work our way up. Key number one. Hold on. Keys. Okay. He just get, he gave me the list. It's electronic this year. Very nice. Thank you very much. Wow. I, I feel like Keys was having a hard hey. time connecting, you know, to his to his work email there for a while. So I'm glad, um, he, I'm glad he got that straightened oh, out. He did have you a while. I mean, the drinking problem got in the way, but we, we've Jeez. cleared that up. Oh, boy. Oh, you didn't know? No. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, Keys. I didn't know. Keys is a lush. Uh, okay. Yeah. Keys and his wife, uh, Wallhook, are no longer together. Key number four. Flag day? All right. So the Vikings tied for seventh in the NFL last season with an average of 5.1 penalties per game, okay? So they were seventh, like seventh best? Seventh or? best. So so on the positive, they, okay. they were tied with a bunch of teams, but 5.1, that's not bad. Yeah. They had five 
or fewer penalties in nine of 16 games. Again, that's very good. Until they got to this year's regular season opener against the Bengals, in which they had 12 penalties and 11 against the offense. I think they had five on the first drive, legitimately. (laughs) Yes. So the key here is very simple. If your offense is that undisciplined and stupid, you're going to lose football games. Um, The first key is that has to be, or I should say the fourth key, that has to be cleaned up. That absolutely, and I, and by the way, on the record, Mr. Positive here, Judd Zolgad, I think it will be. So that's a key that has to be cleaned up, and I think that that will be. That's the one thing where, where that's not going to be the reality. So that's an incredibly important key, and I also think it's one key the Vikings can control. I, I mean, they're going to call called for holds and things. but Holding is going to be a problem. But, Phil, to your point, like with the false starts, inexcusable. So that's key number four. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. Like Rashad Hill's going to hold. Garrett Bradbury's going to hold. There's going to be holding. Brian O'Neill was the only offensive lineman that didn't commit a holding penalty, I'm pretty sure, yep. in that game last week. But the false starts, come on. Like, just don't flinch, okay? <laughs> there was one, So the, I think it was the second C.J. Ham one, in fairness. He barely, he like, he like blew, his jersey blew in the wind, basically. <laughs> but like four defenders pointed it out, so I don't know if... Maybe there and I saw. I was looking at someone put a clip out of the all twenty two, so it was just like the behind. Yes, I saw you. And so I don't know. Maybe he did something that we couldn't see, like with his hand or something. He could have twitched just quickly, just a little twitch. What if you have? Bam. This is what I always wonder. What if you're standing there, like you're in your three point stance or whatever? You're a fullback or you're a, you're a, a right guard. You guys ever just get like an itchy foot oh, or something? I, God, or like, I can't imagine. Or just something like like just an uncontrollable itch or something oh, yeah. happens. And your quarterback's changing the play and going through a series of cadences and stuff. Like, it would be torturous. I sneezed merging onto the freeway today, and it was one of the scariest two and a half seconds of my life. I'm dead serious. (laughs) You don't know actual fear until you sneeze merging onto a freeway at 55 miles an hour. Yeah. Well, because, like, for first of all, you're thinking about the lead (laughs) up to the sneeze. Oh, you don't do that. What? Are you crazy? What, you just sneeze on the windshield? Yeah, absolutely. Dude, that's, oh, that's God. Oh, in the car. I'm driving. Why wouldn't I sneeze on that's the windshield? So yeah, but your wife drives the car, too. Other, I saw, okay, I, I saw video footage of you picking someone up and driving her in the car last weekend on Instagram. Yeah. Does, yeah, does that person know that well, you sneeze all over the dashboard? If I'm merging onto a windshield, or on, onto a windshield, if I'm merging onto a freeway and I have to sneeze, <laughs> I am letting it out. I am that not covering is... my face. Now, if someone's in the car or I'm on a side road, absolutely. So but you're if I am on the steering wheel, yes, God, dude. If I wear decklaws, you're touching I... the steering. Oh no! <laughs> well, so what? <laughs> what? I'm going to die instead? I'm going to cause a huge accident because I couldn't contain a sneeze? No, I'm, I'm going to let that sneeze go. So gross, dude. So gross. Key number three. <laughs> keys is anatomically uh, unable to sneeze. Oh, it's one God. of the benefits of keys. It's very, very true. Very good. Key number three for the birds. All right. So you thought Joe Burrow was good. And by the way, I'm not insulting him. I like him. But first game back from uh, a torn ACL, MCL, definitely did not have a lot of ability to move. Still played a very nice game. But now you're going to be facing Kyler Murray, who threw four touchdowns and ran for another and, you know, the Titans are expected to be a pretty damn good football team. The Cardinals didn't beat them. They killed them, 38-13. to 13. Two touchdown passes to DeAndre Hopkins, two to Christian Kirk. Um, and now we find out that Kyler Murray is going against a Vikings defense that I think is going to lack Anthony Barr. And if Kendricks can play, which I sort of have some doubts about, he is going to be doing it essentially on one leg. And Kyler Murray is um, an absolute, as far as ability to move, an absolute elite quarterback. Yeah. So um, long story short, I guess my question is, what's the plan to stop him? And and if Kendricks can't play as well, is there any plan that's realistic to stop him? Or well, it's tough. I mean, he stop. he ran for 819 yards and 11 touchdowns last year. So I don't I don't think I mean, he run he runs for 50 yards a game on average when you include just the full slate of defenses he faces. If the Vikings are without their two best and really only starting caliber linebackers, 
it's problematic. Because I'm sorry, but like Dalvin Tomlinson's not chasing down. Like the best thing that right. the Vikings defensive line can do is just sort of create a little pocket and prevent him. But but he he's going to scoot out of that pocket whenever he wants to. This was supposed to be an Eric Kendricks Anthony Barr game because those are two of the most athletically skilled linebackers in the NFL. Um, it's just it's going to be tough. Like you're you're not going to hold this team to like nine points, and you're not going to hold Kyler Murray to like. You know, fifteen rushing yards. Yep. You're probably gonna have to win this game. I think the over under is like fifty one and we'll get to purple props on Purple Daily. Yep. Like you're gonna have to score twenty seven or thirty points if you want to win this game. That's the reality. Yep. And Phil, I did see a quote uh from yesterday. You are correct. Anthony Barr has spied the QBs like Kyler the most. Yeah. And so he's not gonna play, I don't think. Uh I will throw this one out, guys. What would you think about coming up with a very, especially if, if Kendricks can't play, what would you think about coming up with an adjusted and creative out-of-the-box game plan that actually brings Harrison Smith down to almost be a linebacker? And and to the point of where I would consider playing another safety, like instead of being like, well, so I three mean, safeties and Harrison's like a spy or something. Exactly. And, but so, so, so oh. he plays the, so he plays the pseudo role essentially of of linebacker mm-hmm. he's the spy has more freedom because to me this whole game's about speed like it's not about strength it's about speed and you know what Troy Greasy, died? fast speed. speed you got speed you got speed you got burners but you know I want you to eat lightning and crap thunder does Troy but does like Troy die oh man I'm glad he's playing so I'm just mm-hmm. thinking out loud here mm. sounds crazy I know. well what's What's more likely? Because you know Mike Zimmer has been known to come up with some creative things here and there. He's not going to overhaul the defense every week, but like even in week one, there was a handful of snaps or maybe more where he was lining up his two interior defensive linemen, his two nose tackles, basically Michael Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson on the on the left side as you're a quarterback, on the right side if you're a defense together. What's more likely if Kendricks and Barr both don't play? That Zimmer just runs out two backup linebackers and nickel and just plays the same scheme that he would if Barr and Kendricks were there, or that he gets creative and does something with Harrison Smith as a spy. Like, I, hope, I think it, I think I it's more likely too. he gets, he gets creative. I hope you're game. right. But just, right. but if those guys are out, there's only so much you can do schematically sure, against I mean, the guy. Like Keys is here for the creativity. Keys <laughs> doesn't bleep around. <laughs> Key number two, as we work our way up time to get cooking. Dalvin cook had 61 yards on 20 carries against the Bengals. Um, the Cardinals, now this is what's interesting. The Cardinals will put, and, and they did, did this against the Titans and Derrick Henry, they will put extra players in the box and play one high as far as the safety goes. They held uh, Henry last week to 58 yards on 17 carries and give up only 86 yards rushing total. The ability that you have is they're going to try to stop Cook first and foremost. And if they do that, you have an opportunity to pass the football and to use play action and to freeze their uh, their defensive backs. Mm-hmm. My point being is that this offense early on should take some shots, get cooking because of the focus on Dalvin that is going to exist. That doesn't eliminate him. But it uses him perfectly, potentially, in play action, which, as Phil, you said, statistically, the Vikings did a absurdly few amount of times against the Bengals because the Bengals played and get ready for the button. Get ready. Put your hand on the button. The Bengals played a lot of the bare front last oh. Sunday. Football. Uh, the Cardinals last season were definitely one of the worst run-stopping defenses in the NFL. They allowed 4.6 yards per carry wow. on the ground and over 2,000 yards total. There were 11 teams that allowed over 2,000 yards rushing. The Vikings were one of them, and so were the Cardinals. So you can you can run on this team. They're, they weren't they weren't quite like Cowboys bad defensively stopping the run, but you can run the ball on this team. I think it's more likely the Vikings or I should say very likely, that they scale way back from 49 pass attempts. Now, the game oh, yeah. flow dictated yeah. when you're losing and you're on the road, like Kirk was going to drop back 50 times just based on the game flow. But I think I think Mike Zimmer and his track record constantly goes back to, 
Let's bring it back down. Let's throw the ball 25 or 30 times. Let's hammer Dalvin Cook. Let's get him going. And I think that's going to be I think that's going to be the main focus for the Vikings. I want to see this. Justin Jefferson's line, 7, 114, and 1 at least. Yep. That's what I want to see. And a long of 35 for a touchdown. For, I'll write Somewhere that down. Somewhere there. Yeah. For a write that down point for <laughs> me. It's so self-serving. He isn't self-serving like that. That's why I are. wanted Taylor He's... Heineke to win last night. I was more looking out for me than I was for Taylor Heineke. I want my write that down to come true. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I carried him off the field, man. Right. All right. Key number one. I feel like the last key positive, right? Like I'm saying, hey, they, they got a chance to pass the ball here. They got a chance to do some things offensively. Well, unfortunately, key number one is not going to be nearly as positive about the offense because key number one is sad sack. Sad sack. <laughs> Good luck to Rashad Hill. I would like to, as you leave on your journey to go out to Glendale to play the Arizona Cardinals, I would like to wish you luck going against Chandler Jones, who had five sacks, six quarterback hits, and two forced fumbles last week against the Titans. God, Much of that was going against the guy who he's tailed off a lot, but three-time Pro Bowl selection, Taylor Luan, who is a left tackle, um, now, he's not nearly the player that he used to be, okay? But he was still in three Pro Bowls at one time, so he has had success. Um, Chandler Jones had 19 sacks in his last full season in 2019. Now, he had a bicep surgery or biceps injury last year, so he only played in five games. But the point being is, I have no idea. If this guy is on again, I have no idea how you help him, even with Rashad Hill getting help. So, like... Let's say you get him some chip help. Let's say you double team Jones. Like, what's the answer here? The man had five sacks last week, and Rashad Hill is not the starting point of I feel confident. Uh, Only seven times in NFL history since 1982. These are official sack leaderboards. Only seven times has a player sacked a quarterback more in a game than Chandler Jones did last week. Derek, the legendary Derek Thomas did it twice. He, he has the NFL record single game, seven sacks against the Seahawks on November 11th, 1990. And then he also had six sacks in a game against the Raiders in 1998. Um, the most recent, you have to go back four years, Adrian Claiborne for the Falcons had six sacks against the Cowboys on November 12th of 2017. So. It was it was one of the most de- dominant defensive performances, like individual performances in the history of the NFL last Two week. Two forced fumbles too. Oh, God, Two I forced know. fumbles. It's ridiculous. But I mean, what do you do to what do you do to slow him? Yeah, well, I mean, pray. And and then <laughs> you've got JJ Watt on this team now, and he he's not the player that he once was, but he's still good, still really good. Yeah, no, he's uh, as Toby Keith would say, he's not the. Not as good as, as he, he once was, was, but good once as he'll ever be if he's lining up against Rashad Hill at any point in this game. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, again, you can scheme, but there's also so many things you can only so many things you can scheme for if you're missing guys like Kendricks and Barr and a viable left tackle. And so I, Kirk, this is the other thing. This is a game where things aren't going to be perfect. Again, you're on the road. You're yep. facing a mobile quarterback. You're facing yep. a, f- a couple ferocious pass rushers. And this is why you pay an extra $30 million for your quarterback to rise above some of it. I mean, you just got to go in and say, listen, man, you're, uh, you're not going to be able to sit back there all day. You very rarely are. I mean, it's the Vikings offensive line. So just going to need you to you're going to have to pick some spots, throw some footballs into tight windows, and you're going to have to get rid of the ball quickly and sense yeah. pressure. And it's like this is this is why you make 30 plus million dollars instead of. You know, finding a random guy like Taylor Heineke that makes $2 million. No seven-step drops, and and the ball has to come out. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing with Kirk. He can't sit back there. I, I'm sorry, dude, but you've got to get that ball out. You can't literally do what you did at least once last week, which is watch Garrett Bradbury approach you like an oncoming truck and freeze. Like, Kirk, Kirk was on the train tracks, and the train was coming at Kirk, and he's just like, oh, mm-hmm. what's going on here? Like, that ball has to get out somewhere. Yeah, and also like I, you know, again, I'm I'm using Hall of Famers to compare here, but you know the 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 cap hit is what it is. That's the that's the air that he's sitting in. You know, I feel like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady have always been statuesque quarterbacks in their prime, and Drew Brees too. And there are a lot of games like people think, well, those guys just went 15, 20 years and always had amazing offensive lines. That's no. not true. No. 
But those guys also were better at, okay, my center is getting smoked today, or my left tackle is just getting beat today. What do I need to do to adjust and prepare for that in-game? All right, so Garrett Bradbury once again getting trucked. So I just need to know that I got my slot receiver, K.J. Osborne, right here. Like, if this guy gets forklifted back into me, sometimes you're going to get sacked. But just you got to prepare for it at this point. You've been here for four years. Rise above it. Deal the with ball it. ball has to come out. Boom. It comes out. Boom. That's how it comes out. <laughs> just, what is that? All right, Brian Baldinger. Yeah. I've watched a lot of Baldy this week, The single week, guys. best left tackle in the NFL in 2020 is Teron Armstead. I mean, I guess he didn't get the message on this shove right here about anti-bullying in America. I mean, it's the whole package of how he plays the game. Like Watch his hands are just hands. Little quick jam. Little bam. There it is. Little punch. Knock him off bounds. You got to change it up. You get the predator off bounds, and then you dance. <laughs> Shot Football. Then you dance. Yeah. So all right. Hey, Judd's keys coming in hot for week yeah. two. Judd's keys to a Vikings victory. Vikings vent line was awesome last week. We I think flirted with a record number of viewers and listeners on that show. So right when the game ends, it's the most interactive show in Minnesota sports. And you can find it live on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. We'll be there, surly in hand, and uh, welcoming you guys, Vikings fans, into the show with us throughout. So you can send, if you want to be part of the show, just send an email to vikingsventline at gmail.com. That's where we're taking all the requests. And uh, we, ho- we hope to, we're going to go through a lot of callers, win or lose. And so we hope to get you on if, if you guys have interest. So, all right. Any final thoughts on this Friday here before we head into a football weekend? Gophers, Colorado, Vikings, Cardinals. Percentage chance the Vikings win. Forty percent. Yeah, forty percent. Twenty-five. I feel like so, and I'm probably wrong here. I feel like we're overcorrecting a lot and and giving them no chance, which is always extremely absolutely dangerous in this league. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, yeah, forty percent is probably right. They're not favorites, but they're but it's not hopeless. Well, and, means. and this is, yeah, and I, I, I just feel, I feel like they have no chance, which is ordinarily when I'm wrong. Yeah, the Cardinals, listen, let's not go crazy on the Cardinals, right. all right? Well, they were, they were a 500 team last year. And it's not, if the Cardinals had barely beat the Titans or lost in week one, we wouldn't be talking like this. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I don't think they win, but I also think that I am so, I am so convinced they're, that the Vikings are going to lose that it feels almost, I'm, I'm too confident. And outside of some major outliers like Kansas City and Pat Mahomes and you know maybe Tom Brady Buccaneers, and then on the bottom end, like the Jets, almost everything gravitates toward a middle ground. Like everything kind of comes yes. back to earth in the NFL. Before, I don't know what the spread was on this game two weeks out, but the Cardinals dominating the Titans and the Vikings getting beat by the Bengals has drastically affected the perception of this game, mm-hmm. probably more than the reality. And that doesn't Vi- mean the Vikings are going to win necessarily, but they right. have a better chance than people. Like a week ago, this thing probably would have been a you know I think it was a, it's a three and a half or four point spread right now. It was it was probably like a one and a half or a two point spread, is my guess. And the Vikings absolutely. It seems weird because it's just week two. They have to be desperate, right? Like you don't want to come back here with the threat of going to zero and three, which if they lose is certainly possible. Because, like, I think if you had Detroit in week three, you'd be like, okay, you know, but <laughs> Seattle. So so if you're not desperate now, you're probably in trouble. Yeah. So, all right, Judd's keys to a Vikings win. Mackie and Judd, please give us a hey, five-star us, rating and a positive review on Apple and click the subscribe button on Score North YouTube and Purple Daily YouTube. See you guys.